here's the thing. I want you to start engaging with me in believing God to fill the spot next to you. It's time. It is time for these empty seats to start getting filled with people. You are a good group of people. And I want people to start meeting you and knowing you. And I, there are people in our community that need to experience the presence of God that we are feeling here right now. There are people in our community that need the hope of Christ in their life. And I want you to start engaging with me. Don't sit on your laurels. Don't think, well, we have a happy church. Yeah, we do. I love you. But it is time. It is time. And I want us to begin in our, it's going to start in prayer. It's going to start in your spirit. And I know some of you have already been there and maybe you've grown weary in well-doing. And I want to encourage you. Let's re-engage. Let's re-engage and let's trust God for what he might do in our lives. All right. Welcome to the Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Vienna Assembly of God, located right here in Vienna, Virginia. We're so glad you've joined us today. Hope you enjoy today's sermon. The stories that Jesus told, parables, that is the series we are in. Jesus used parables in his teaching extensively. Today's parable shows up in all three synoptic gospels and is defined as the parable that explains all the parables. So what is a parable anyway? Earlier this year, we were having um, some group study and in the 40 Days of Decrease, and one of our new converts was on the line, and it was just talking about parables, and, and then he asked the question. He was like, excuse me, can, we, can you go back to that previous point? What is a parable? And Tom worked to, to explain it to him, but it made you, re- you know, like maybe if, we've, if you've grown up in church, if you've grown up with studying the Bible, it's just all um, no, a normal word to you, but for those that haven't, it's, it's totally new. What is a parable? It's a story with intent, and that intent is to teach, illuminate, and explain some aspect of the kingdom of God. I said last week that it's, you'll often hear it said that it's a earthly story with a heavenly meaning, but that does not capture it all because almost all the parables are not really about heaven. They are about living out the kingdom here on earth, okay? Interpreting parables should not lean too heavily on allegory, meaning trying to find a spiritual principle or or a person attached to every element of the story. And so I shared with you last week the example of how Augustine allegorized the Good Samaritan, and he managed to get in the Apostle Paul and everybody into that parable, which wasn't what Jesus' intent was, that you may use something like that in meditation. The Lord may speak to you a certain thing from a parable, but for basic biblical interpretation, we don't want to lean too heavily on allegory. 
So last week we did look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus' main point in that story was to shift the question from what should I do to what kind of person am I? Rather than trying to define the borders of who qualifies as a neighbor, Jesus told us to become the good neighbor, like the Samaritan was in the story. The greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, cannot be confined or limited or superseded by tradition or convenience. And that's the message of that parable. So today we are going to turn to Mark 4 and look at the parable of the sower. Perhaps a better title would be the parable of the soils. So once again, Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, sorry. Verse 1. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. So here's the summary of this parable's meaning from Klein Sodgrass in the book, um, the, my primary resource for this that I'm, in addition to the Bible, <laughs> um, called Stories with Intent. The kingdom is a kingdom of the word. And the parable is a parable about receiving that word. To be a disciple of the kingdom means hearing and remaining focused on the message of the kingdom in such a way that one is defined by it. The key to spiritual formation is the willingness to listen, the practice of the discipline of listening and responding appropriately to the received word. 
Okay, let's, let's keep that in mind, and let's look through the parable and see if you agree with his summary. All right? So first, the context. Um, th- right before this is, is, the, is the story that we had talked about on Mother's Day, where Jesus' mother and brothers had come and, and tried to um, get Jesus to come out and see him. And he said, well, who are my mother and brothers? Those who do the will of the father. So it's bracketed at the front with this understanding of it's not enough to just hear, but do the will of the father. And then it moves into these parables. And so we, we read that the crowd continued to grow after Jesus had already begun teaching. That would be cool. I'm up here teaching, Rachel's up here leading worship, and and people just keep walking in, just keep walking in. The crowd just continues to grow. So Jesus gets into a boat and pushes off a little ways from the shore. What was the purpose of this? It was to create a natural amplification system. The water takes his voice and amplifies it somewhat. And so he found a way to help more of this growing crowd be able to hear what he was saying. That's what was going on there. This parable is about receiving the word. Even in how he shared the parable, he is teaching this truth. The problem is never with the word. The problem is never with God's voice. Jesus did everything he could to make it possible for people to hear. The problem is with our response. So the Old Testament reference that was in there where Jesus said this is to fulfill that is from Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. And this passage can be difficult Why would Jesus try to make things harder to understand? So so where it said, uh, I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. I can't go into all of breaking that down, but one of the realities of that passage is that, well, for one thing, all the synoptic gospels tie this parable together with that passage, and and which makes it more and more clear. This is about our hearing. What Jesus is actually saying is the opposite. He's not saying that he's trying to make it more difficult to understand. He's trying to help people understand where he says um, the secret or is is made known to you the mystery in verse 11 that understanding of mystery biblically is not our concept of mystery that well it's just something unknowable in the scripture mystery means those things that had God not revealed them to us they would be unknown So that's part of what he's saying. I am making it known. He is choosing to reveal things. He is offering keys to kingdom understanding and opening a door to revelation. The parables require a response, though. 
So those that were intrigued and desired to learn more, Jesus gave them further teaching and understanding. Those who shrugged it off and moved on, they did not receive the deeper revelation. So the parables were not serving as a wall to keep people from understanding. They served more as a funnel for those that would listen, then they could move further in and receive more revelation. In down in the chapter, verses 21 through 23, and I don't think I put those in there, um, Jonathan, but this is, this is the evidence of what I'm saying. Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought out into the open and every secret secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus is saying, I'm not hiding the mysteries of God. I am sharing them in plain view. I'm speaking them openly in parables and those with ears to hear can press in and learn more. The words of Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 were used by several later writers, both in the Old and the New Testament, not just in this case. And they became the classic depiction of the refusal to hear. It is almost as though it is exaggerated speech, but it is, it is the classic thing where God is saying, I've spoken, I've spoken, I've spoken, and you've refused to hear. My, my daily reading right now is in the book of Jeremiah, and oh my goodness, you want to talk about a refusal to hear. The word, and it, it fascinates me, Jeremiah's ability to hear the word of the Lord in the middle of a society that just refused to hear, but he was faithful to keep speaking it. Not the lack of opportunity or ability to hear. That's not what Isaiah is saying. It's the refusal to hear. The point is to urge hearing in a context where judgment is coming. And Jesus took on this prophetic role. Jesus saw himself as a prophet not just a prophet, but definitely a prophet. And he was in that role. This passage also for the Jewish listeners would bring to mind the promises that a remnant will return and blessing will come. The reality is that the last day promises of a people planted by the Lord are going to take place through last day proclamation of the word of the Lord. And we have the option to be those who will listen and respond rather than follow the errors of Israel in the days of Isaiah and refuse to hear. And you guys are great. You're listening. You're doing good. We're moving on now to look at the actual, what is it that Jesus said? So that part takes five verses. So he, he, he talked about the farmer went out to plant some seed. He scattered it across his field, and then some of it fell on these different places. All right? A footpath, rocky soil, soil where thorns came up, and then good Soil. So, so here are some questions that the story itself may raise. Would anybody sow seed this way? 
if we try to compare this to our limited knowledge of farming, I don't know, some of you may have like, like you're just crackerjack on it, but I didn't grow up on a farm, but I've worked with Craig in the garden some, but if we try to compare it to our limited knowledge or to change it from the context of Palestine in the days of Jesus to our own context, we will miss some things. So for example, we're accustomed to a field being plowed, neat rows created, and then seed carefully and purposefully planted within the rows. With that image running in the background, it can make this farmer seem random and unprepared. Who goes around tossing seed on a footpath? Okay, but here's something to remember. The main point of this parable is regarding hearing and responding to the word. So for one thing, the main point isn't how the farmer did his job. That's not the main point. But with that understanding... Evidence shows that in ancient Palestine, plowing would take place both before and after planting. There are pictures from the ancient world that show the plow preceding the sower and then others that show it following right behind the sower. So as soon as the seed was scattered, a plow would come behind to bury it into the ground. So the farmer in the parable was not intentionally throwing seed on the road or throwing seed where the thorns were. He was sowing the seed in an image that was familiar to the people. And also, another thing from the story, we shouldn't create arithmetic that the parable isn't saying. It is not saying that three-fourths of the seed was wasted. Okay? It explains that there are three ways that some of the seed failed to produce fruit. And then there were three levels of success for, for the fruit-bearing seed. According to Snodgrass, the picture is a realistic portrayal of ancient farming practice where incidental losses occurred, particularly in Palestine with its shallow earth and plentiful thorns, but also where a bountiful harvest resulted. So then further down in the chapter, after the first part, Jesus gives a detailed explanation of the parable. So we're going to look at those verses, verses 13 through 20, and I'm going to pause after each uh, part where he explains it. Verse 13, then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? This is the reason why we view this as foundational. This is the reason Jesus says you must understand the principle in this parable. Verse 14, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. Jesus does not identify the farmer, nor does he comment on his farming methods. He simply explains that the seed is God's word, taking God's word to others. The kingdom principle here is that the word will be proclaimed. The word of God unproclaimed is like having seed stored up in a bag, unsown. The kingdom is the kingdom of the word. God's word must be proclaimed. His word must go out. So then Jesus goes on to describe 
three failures, three ways that the word of God did not take root and bear fruit. First, verse 15, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. This hearer has such a hardened surface and so much other traffic. The word has no chance to even take root. So I want you to think about that traffic for a moment. Too many thoughts, images, entertainment, problems, issues, competing ideas. I think all of us have some footpaths in our hearts, some places where the traffic has created a really hard surface. This must not become our totality. The second failure, the seed, verse 16, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now, those are Jesus' words in verse 17. What might these rocks be in my life? What Jesus says is, whatever these rocks are, it means not having deep roots. So you don't last long. So whatever gets in the way of deepening your roots in God's word, that's a rock. Okay? Whatever keeps you from establishing your roots. How do you know your roots are shallow? Jesus gives us a pretty easy clue. As soon as a problem arises, you're out of there. As soon as you are persecuted for believing God's word, you fall away. If that's you, you're shallow. You have shallow faith. Now, listen, I knew this message was coming up, and I told you I've been reading in Jeremiah. Last week was this verse, Jeremiah 23, 29. Does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord? Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces. If you got some rocks going on that are keeping you from establishing deep roots, guess what the cure is to the rocks? The word of God, (laughs) even the word of even the, the problem, the word of God addresses that it will smash those rocks. If we will lean in, if we will allow God to do that. Amen. Amen. We can develop healthy soil. And and that's the point here. We aren't trapped with whatever soil we find ourselves with right now. That's why Jesus, this is a hopeful parable. Third failure, verse 18. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out. By the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. There is not a person sitting here that has not dealt 
with all three of those things. This is, Jesus is as real as you can get. He is letting us know when these things grow up and we allow them to get bigger and, and, and larger and, and wrap themselves around us, they're going to choke out his word. Worries of this life, lure of wealth, desire for other things. So the footpath had high traffic. The rocky path had high debris. And this third area has high density, weeds and thorns. But then there were three levels of success. Verse 20. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So what does a life producing this kind of harvest look like? Jesus doesn't even go fully into that. This, it, it, this is the principal parable that then feeds into all the others. And so he's just saying, like, if you want everything else that the word of God is promising to you to bear this fruit, this is what you have to do. You have to allow the you have to hear and and listen to the word of God and get rid of these things that prevent you. But so here are some things that the word of God tells us. John 10, 10 said, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. He has promised that if we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. Galatians identifies and describes the fruit. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago in home group, love, joy, peace. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. We are his workmanship, his masterpiece created to do good works in Christ Jesus. Peter says that we are partakers in his divine nature and have been given everything we need for life and godliness. Jesus said we are the light of the world a city on a hill that cannot be hid. What does it look like when we bear 30, 60, 100 fold? Every promise of the word of God begins showing up and showing off and the glory of God is happening in our life when we bear fruit. So here's the hope. (laughs) We are invited to transformation. Jesus is in fact pleading with us here. Please change your hearing, change your response to the word, get rid of the stony hard ground, weed out the thorns and the brambles, make your heart and your mind and your will yield to the word, cultivate a response of yes, Lord. Now I want to say, because it's, you know, There's nobody in here that hasn't heard this before. There's nobody in here that doesn't know this parable. And so I don't think this is a one and done. And I think that's important for us. It's not like, yes, I decided I'm not, I'm going to be the good soil. Okay, great. (laughs) We have to do an evaluation when we see the failures that Jesus identified happening in our life and say, hmm, the word of God in that area is being choked. 
the word of God in that area is bouncing off. I don't even hear it. It's it. All the soils apply to each of us. We're not one or the other. And, and the reason I believe that is because when Jesus, when those that were wanting to learn more, they came in, they leaned in, please explain to us the meaning of that parable. We want to learn more about the kingdom. That's the ones that he explained all of it to. He didn't say, oh, well, you don't need to know this part. That only applies to the guys out there. No, all of us need to know about the stony footpath, the hard footpath, the stony ground, the thorns, and the good soil. Because any of them can show up in any of us at any time. And so that's how I want to end today. I want us to have a time to pray. Prayer is like taking the seed that has been sown and coming behind it with the plow to go ahead and bury it into our heart. So, Rachel, if you're willing to just come and let's just have some light music. I want to open the altar. If you're more comfortable to pray where you are, I'm okay with that. But this is the thing I want you to consider. Each of these challenges. So what about high traffic? I know that when I'm experiencing high traffic, so many inputs, so many concerns, sometimes just the demands and responsibilities, but it's it's different from just the cares of the world. It's just inputs (laughs) that are just creating this high traffic that turns me into a footpath instead of fertile soil. That's one. High debris. Too many things going on. Too many rocks that are keeping the word from going deep. Whatever is fighting against you getting the word deep. That's that. And then this high density of thorns, worries, just taking care of business, covetousness, a desire for wealth, comparing yourself to others, etc. Jesus told us these are going to choke out the word and prevent us from bearing fruit. Why is this important? We are called to grow. You are not called to just stay where you are. The the life of the kingdom is one of growth, and we must grow according to the word of God. So let's have a moment to just pray through these things. And then we'll dismiss. I invite you if you want to come up here or stay where you are.